Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast, although we are not only both Seblis today, we are also talking not about the Premier League, but rather the U.S. men's national team who ran out huge 6 to nothing winners against Honduras on Friday night in, I mean, what everyone knew was an absolutely must-win game. And, you know, I was talking to um, a guy, Oscar, at the bar here, and he was saying, I think we need three goals to be safe, and boy, we got those inside of the first half. Yeah, and it was funny that at one point... At one point, the announcer was talking about how, and it was it was the score was 2-0 at this point. It was about 30 minutes into the game, and he's saying, you know, every goal counts in CONCACAF because of the goal differential. So, you know, 2-0 is, is a lot more important mm-hmm. than 2-1. And he goes, and maybe even they can get to 3-0. And I was like, I mean, we just scored two goals in the first 30 minutes. It's like, I think we have a third one in us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were really firing on all cylinders. I mean, I don't think, I can't remember, I can't remember the last time I saw them play this well honestly and I I know you and I we were uh, texting during the match and one of the hallmarks of the game was just how much freedom Pulisic was given to Rome in the final third and you know I think that that strategy clearly paid off in terms of his ability to link up with numerous players you know we were texting that he made that brilliant run down the right hand side uh, before the U.S. had really you know wrapped up the game, but they, he just, he was causing it was one problems at the that entire point. time. What's that? I think it was one nil when he made yeah. that, when he yeah. made that run that was called out of bounds when it, when it very much was not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it wasn't even just the final third. It was, it was everywhere. He had the freedom to be wherever he wanted on the field, which I don't remember a player that the U S has ever done that with. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't remember a play, ever watching a player that just tra- he's on a different level from Concacaf. Yeah. This is like like if if international football were club football, we'd be we'd be screaming. He's got to go to a different federation. Yeah. Uh, to <laughs> increase his game, like he's just he's on a different level. He's mm-hmm. the best player. Uh, proud, I you know certainly on any team that's not named Mexico. Uh, and maybe even on Mexico, he might be the best player in the region. I, I, I mean, again, it's you. You don't want to, you don't want to overhype a young kid too much. But at this point, there's it's hard to say too much about him because he's performing at the highest level in high pressure situations, both for club in the Champions League and for country in must win qualifiers. And right, this, he's the best that player was on the where bench. I would draw the difference. Yeah, it's. Is it's not it's not like Landon Donovan, where he played really well for the U.S., scored a bunch of goals, went to Germany and and failed, or mm-hmm. and then you know went back to America and, and played really well and scored a bunch of goals, and then or when he went to or when he went to England and, and held his own with Everton, he yeah. played well there. Yeah, he did. This is Christian Pulisic is 18 years old, and not only is he. It, was he immediately the best player on the field from the time that he started his first U.S. national team game against Trinidad and Tobago? Um, this is a guy who consistently, not every game, but consistently starts for Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't start for Dortmund, he seems to quite a few times have a knack for being subbed on when the game isn't going Dortmund's way mm-hmm. and flipping it yeah. into Dortmund's way. And he did it not once – but twice in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Yeah, now, I mean, this this is a this is a player who, as opposed to, you know, as opposed to Landon Donovan, your previous example, going to Everton on loan and having some sense and success, and Everton saying, yeah, well, you know, we'd like to keep him if the transfer fee was essentially nothing. It's it's a player at one of a, a consistent performer and competitor in the Champions League. And talk of that team struggling to hold on to him. You know, it's just world's difference in terms of the atmosphere around him in club football, even though he's so young. And it's it's not just these performances. It's he's a it's it's the whole package. He is such a smart player. Yeah. Uh, he has the ability to do so many things. He's still eighteen. So he's only eighteen. So uh, there's a couple things. One, we all obviously he's going to get better. We know that because, well, he trains at a, at a team that develops young players really well. He also trains with some of the best players in the world who have won World Cups. Yeah. Um, so he's going to get better. 
too. He's going to get bigger and stronger. Yeah, that that to me is the <laughs> biggest thing. I mean, you look you look at his frame, and yeah, he he looks like a kid who's just about to graduate from high school, and as he should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just yeah, putting. I mean, and the the thing that I've noticed too is that he has success when his game is you know. This is a comparison that's always thorny, but Messi-like in terms of his ability to weave through players based on technical skill, and yet also a lot of the times, you know, they're just given to the resort of, we've got to hack him down, and, you know, it's not, but it's not to say that 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 game isn't successful, we're seeing him have success with that, but when he does put a little more weight on his frame, and he's even harder to knock off the ball, then he's just going to be that more of a threat from midfield. Right, and uh, it, it it goes back to when he was playing these games in uh, September, coming out in the Champions League against Real Madrid, and he was playing really well. And I was, you know, I was making the jokes about it. Uh, you know, the the old adage, uh, "Can he do it on a rainy night in Stoke?" And um, Pulisic doing it on a Tuesday night with the whole world watching him in Spain. And I'm making the jokes, but can he do it on a humid night in Guatemala? And yeah. that's really where, and you know, it's jokes, but it's it's still. There's there's a, a legitimate concern there because we saw that we saw it on Friday night. He was playing at home, he was tearing up the field. Nobody could stop him, but they were just hacking him down. Yeah. And now you're gonna go uh, to Panama this week and to Trinidad and Tobago later, and and to the, you know the other places with crappy pitches in Concacaf where the referee is gonna be shoddy as the referee will be questionable at best. Um, for both sides. That's just the way CONCACAF makes them. Um, He'll be shoddy at best. The pitch will be bumpy. It's going to be overly physical. They're going to be hacking him. How much protection is he going to get from the refs? But really what 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 I was so impressed with him was was how smart he is and, and the fact that you're able to give him that kind of freedom because the U.S. played this game. Now, granted, it's Honduras at home, so... Like, let's give Bruce Arena a round of applause for not oversimplifying things too much, or for actually simplifying things and not doing what current managers do and say, hey, we still need two holding midfielders. Like, no, dude, it's Honduras at home. You don't need two midfielders. And it, you know, I wrote about this a couple, a couple weeks ago in, in comparison to Juan Mata, about how Juan Mata I find is just such an enigma hmm. because he came around at the exact right time for a player of his skill set, but at the exact wrong time. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't really have a position in the Premier League, which is why he's not an automatic starter for Jose Mourinho, even though he seems to always score. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you know, if he would have just been, he would have just played central midfield. You would have put him next to a Michael Carrick or a Roy Keane or someone in that mold, and Mata just would have been the more attacking of the two, playing down the middle with two strikers ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that anymore, but... Bruce Arena did that with Pulisic. And, you know, people were concerned and that maybe he wouldn't be – he would become a liability on defense. And when when I hear people raise that concern, that just tells me you have never watched this kid play. You have never watched a Dortmund game because everyone at Dortmund tracks back. Mm-hmm. Pulisic does it better than most of them. And he doesn't just track back, he mm-hmm. hustles back, yeah. which I, you could say that's an American trade out of him, but he, he guns it back. Um, he played wing back a couple weeks ago for Dortmund. So to say that, you know, he might be a liability defensively is, is naive. Obviously that's not the strength of his game, but it, that doesn't make him a liability. And, and what I noticed was when the U.S. had the ball, you didn't know where Christian Pulisic was going to be. He could have been anywhere on the yeah. field, which was great, which was exactly why we were so successful. There were mm-hmm. several times where, you know, Honduras got the ball and they started to bring it the other way. And, and you could see Pulisic kind of frustrated that, you know, the final ball didn't come to him or he messed up or he lost the ball. And it was like a quick, like, quick pout. And then he gunned it back to fall into that flat four yeah. to make that midfield a flat four. Well, you know, and I think that I think that his versatility is illustrated by – the nature of the difference in his contribution to four goals, right? Because the first one is when he continues his run into the box and Josie finds him with an admittedly a good ball. And he... <laughs> it, 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 yeah, Sometimes he does do good things. <laughs> but, 
But, you know, it's him continuing that run and putting a good shot on frame that the deflection falls to Leggett, and then there's the lifted through ball to Dempsey. That, I mean, his, you know, his God, goal right off the, the, the kickoff for the second half, he is, does well to stay onside and then finds the back of the net. And then finally the that, that weighted ball for the fifth goal – you know, from just barely the edge of the final third, diagonally for Dempsey to run onto, is just perfectly weighted. And those are, you know, it's mm. just his... And the best part of that ball was the fact that it was it was situated so that Dempsey could dummy it and just let it run past the goalkeeper and have mm-hmm. an open net to shoot at. Yep. That yeah, was even was, nicer about it. it was, <laughs> and it's funny, I remember I... Sh- I I remember shouting as that pass went through, oh my God, great ball. And then as like... As he continued to run on it, I was like, oh, wow, it was, it was actually an even better ball than I initially thought it was. Yeah, I mean, uh, what yeah. he did and the vision that he shows on the field. And, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, was he the one fouled for Dempsey's free kick? Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't remember. I don't remember that but, either. It, but, but honestly, he got fouled in similar positions all day, so he right. But you, you're right. Like the fir- so his, the first goal of the game, he didn't get an assist on, which he should have. Uh, I mean, yeah. it was set, he should have scored on that, to be honest. It was, it was a really good save. Um, and then he assists on the first two Dempsey goals. He gets his own finish, and then you, just, you add in the free kick and the, and the Bradley left-footed shot. The guy's incredible. And, and kudos to Bruce Arena for saying, you know what, like, we, can, we can play this way. Yeah. Uh, we can play with – we can allow him to just run around the field and do whatever, and everybody else will, will make do with that. You know, Bradley won't get forward. Yeah. Okay, um, and I, I it's, you never want to see an injury, and I, and I was upset because uh, Lejet, I thought Lejet was is a very good player who yeah. has a bright future in front of him. I want to see him get his shot with the national team, but when he came off and they brought on Bedoya, I was like, you know what, this is a good move. And I said mm-hmm. it last week. I said I don't want to see Ali Bedoya at home. He's not a player that yeah. you need to use in a home game against a Concacaf opponent. He's a very good player to use away from home. Yeah, and I hope he starts in the next game, but. Playing Ali Bedoya out on that wing is good because he's a smart player too. And both him and Pulisic are smart players that if he notices Pulisic is caught forward, he'll tuck inside and sit next to Bradley uh, coming back the other way so that, so that they can defend. And knowing that Jeff Cameron was on the right side. And Pulisic's a smart enough player to he'll, – he'll just go down the right side until him and Bedoya have, a, have time to switch. And that's, that's – Really important when you're going to give someone freedom is not just to have the player with freedom be smart, but have other smart players around him so that mm-hmm. it doesn't throw off the rest of the team and the yeah. balance of the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I imagine that how I'm feeling right now is it's not totally analogous, but it's somewhat akin to how Leicester supporters felt following the release of Claudio Ranieri because. Well, you know, I was somewhat happy to see Klinsman go. I can't, I don't think that any of us were exactly over the moon and back about Bruce Arena being his replacement. And yet this, I mean, in the first match that he has, as which is clearly going to be, was always going to be a hugely high-pressured litmus test, you know, he passed with as flying colors as he could have. He is, but, but it's also, it's also uh, important not to get too far ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. because... Let's think about it. Once Legit comes off the field 15 minutes in, that entire team is Klinsman guys, uh, with the exception of maybe the exception of Darlington Nagby, who yeah. I thought was pretty much invisible in this game. Oh, I, I disagree. Think was, I, think, I think he had his best. I don't think he was, he had his I best think he was bad. I just, half, and then he kind of faded away. But I didn't think he was bad. I, just, I, I didn't think he really brought a lot to the table either. Yeah, I agree. And actually, there was one moment in particular – um, I thought that he made a really good run in like the first 10 minutes or so. And then there was another time where he got the ball on the left-hand side. And it just it's so characteristic of how I see him play, you know, both for club and country, is that when he gets out on the wing, so it seems that he just, he has this like spatial mentality that as soon as he gets into that area, he's not, he's not as clearly set on getting a sight of goal, right? And he, he just seems to play less direct and... Like oh okay when I'm on the wing then I'm I'm playing to run down the left hand side and it just it frustrates me when I see it but I still thought he had a fine game but you know overall I think everyone knows that 
Christian Pulisic stole this show. Uh, right. Despite Dempsey right. I, I didn't Patrick, think anybody but. played particularly poorly with the exception of Omar Gonzalez. Oh, God, um, it was awful. So now here's a yeah, question that, right? I, like, that so I really want to ask In you. a 6-0 game, in a 6-0 yeah. game where Honduras never really threatened, if you're a defender and people still remember you for being pretty bad, like how? Like where did Omar Gonzalez even find the time to be bad in this game? Yeah. Uh, and he and he still managed to do it. And John Brooks, this was this was by far John Brooks' best game that he's ever played without Jeff Cameron as, as his partner. Um, he bailed him out a bunch of times. Well, and so this is the, <laughs> exactly this is what I wanted to ask you, Paulie. How worried are you? I mean, it's not are you worried or aren't you? It's how much are you concerned about John Brooks's absence going in to our game in Panama City? Is Beasler on the team? I think so. Yeah, I think that he was. Then, one then of the ones just play Beasler, and I'm yeah. and I'm totally like Matt Beasler is a guy that he's not flashy, but he gets the job done. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of a comparison, and I can't. It's at no point uh, are you back. Are you ever like concerned because Matt Beasler's playing defense? The only reason that John Brooks plays above. Beasler is because John Brooks is a higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I like Beasler might like you know Beasler done nothing to lose his job. It's just a matter of like we have someone that is probably better than you right now and definitely will be better than you eventually soon. Um, so I'm not that concerned. Also, you still don't know who's going to play right back, so they might just run Cameron back there again against yeah. Panama. I I, I wouldn't. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tim Ream get a run out in that game. Well, where's he? He's not going to wait right back. He, he has. He has before. I mean, he did for Klinsman once, and I thought he acquitted himself really well. Granted, it's not. Uh, no, doesn't he? Position. He's a left foot. He's left footed. He would play left back. He played left back under Klinsman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate him as a center back either. Again, um, John Brooks. He's only played one time, one away Concacaf match, and he was a disaster. So, like, it's not. We're not breaking any news here when you say, all right, like, you know what, if you want to go with Beasler here, th- that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I did, it's just unbelievable. Like Omar Gonzalez, how bad he was like, dude, if again, it's, it's Honduras at home and, and Bruce arena, he followed, you know what I said, like, let's hope to do when he, when he started via Fana, uh, yeah. via Fania. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you guys can't handle Honduras at home, then you shouldn't be playing at all. Yeah. And, you know, why not give Walker Zimmerman a shot or, you know, somebody else? Now, obviously, this is not Honduras at home coming up. It's it's Panama away, which is a completely different story. Yeah. But um, to get back to what I was saying before is, is ultimately, you know, before we start saying, okay, Bruce Arena, we misjudged you and, and – um, and you're right. You are the guy to do this and what a fantastic job. This was all Quinsman guys. And this was Honduras at home. This yeah. was uh, I tweeted that during the game. It was like, oh, right. This is when all the U.S. fans who have been spending the last four months panicking. Now, remember, we have a lot more talent than any other CONCACAF team besides Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we also haven't lost the home game in 15 years before that Mexico game. Yeah. You know, like we don't lose home games. We don't we didn't we didn't concede a goal in home World Cup qualifiers last time out. You know, yeah, and, are, but the, but I think that the the struggling start that we had this campaign, you know, like like that it is. But, I, but I, I again, agree with you as that, I kept saying, as I kept saying, like Mexico at home, we treated it like it was a guaranteed win when we never should have. Yeah. All right. The last the last time we beat Mexico at home in a non in a in a non World Cup qualifying match, but a competitive match was two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So like. You know, like every every other time we play Mexico in the United States, we don't beat them. Yep. You know, we only beat them when we play them in April in a like an MLS in a U.S. versus Mexico MLS All Star game. Yeah, and and so, I think, but I, I mean, the United States definitely has things back on track now. That is inarguable. But no, by no means do I think that we're. You know, we're still not in great shape, obviously, right? Like currently, as a standing, we're in fine are, shape. We're in fine shape. Yeah, but not, I don't think we're. But we're four points off the lead. That's not great shape. <laughs> but what do you need the What do you need the lead for? Well, you just need to, you just need third. You just need you third. need third. And guess guess what guess what like what is what does finishing first get you? 
What does finishing first get you? It gets oh, you a God. trip to the World Cup. What does finishing third get you? It gets you a trip to the World Cup. It and it doesn't. You you then go into the same pot because I have news for you. None of these teams are getting seeded in the first pot. No, they're, so they're not. We we have no. We all go into the that. same. Whether we finish first, second, or third, we all go into the same pot. And look, we won the group in twenty in in twenty fourteen. Mexico and Honduras got better draws than we did. So it, well, it's as an just, Arsenal fan, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you say like, oh, we're four points off the lead. We don't need to finish off the lead. We're one point out of the automatic spots, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that's Panama ahead of us, who mm-hmm. we're about to play. And we already and, have a goal difference up on them as well. You know. Yeah, we already reversed our terrible goal difference, which was impressive. Mm-hmm. So, it's not even that we're. I I can. I can make the argument that we were never even off track because, again, um, you look at it, Mexico at home, we should win, but it's not a guarantee. So sometimes you're going to slip up. Yeah. The, well, other four home, the other four home games, you're going to win. So that's right there. That's 12 points. The target is about 14 to 15 points. So right there, you're at 12. Uh Costa Rica away. We were always going to lose that game. We've, we've like, what are, what are we? We've drawn that game once and we've never won it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we slipped up against Mexico and then we drew, um, and then we got killed by Costa Rica, which was a game that was, oh, that result was always going to happen. You yeah. write that down before qualifying starts. We're going to lose at Costa Rica. It just so happened that we played them first. Yeah, well, but here's, here's the thing. Well, I think that that, you know, your, your point is well taken, and that's a fine argument to make that we were never off track. It's still just on such a knife edge with these qualifiers, right? Like, imagine that, you know, imagine that instead of playing Honduras at home and crushing them, our first fixture in this international break was away to Panama, and it ends up being, you know, it ends up being a draw. Let's say we still get something from the game, but one point from three matches, then that is hugely off track. Wait, but, but you're just picking the three match. You know, first of all, the away games are always tricky. Like we lost to Honduras last year, at in Honduras. Like yeah. that shouldn't happen. But, but you you have to know. Like, all right, you, you circle Costa Rica away. We're gonna lose that game, and then Mexico away. That's gonna be tricky. You're going to lose a game that you shouldn't lose. Uh, and last year it happened to be Honduras, and then we made it up. We made up for that by getting a, a point at the Azteca. Yeah. Um, you know, you're trying to get 14, 15 points, which right there, if, if you win four home games, you need three points. Yeah. So just one away win will do that. We won two away games last year, which is a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's not easy to win these away games. No. The, it's, the, I think that the, the thing about, well, you know, I said it's balanced on a knife edge and, but it cuts both ways, right? Because if the U.S. Do, do manage to win in Panama City, which, again, the away fixtures are always tricky, but then sitting on six points in third place, you know, that's that's huge. That's huge. And it's possible that we could end up even sitting in second place, depending on how Costa Rica does. Now, I'm not, I'm not anticipating that they are going to lose and we're going to have, you know, such a goal fest that we leapfrog them in goal difference as well. But... Nonetheless, it's possible. It it just it comes down to orders uh, order of the games, and I remember somebody saying this uh, because you know last in the 2014 last World Cup, you know you get a lot of new fans and everything, and we lose one nil to Germany, and then because of the Portugal Ghana game, the way that that ends, which you know only looked which looked questionably match fixy, considering that uh, Portugal's goalie practically you like caught the ball and handed it to Ghana. Um, we go through and we're celebrating after a loss. And people are like, I don't like the fact that we're celebrating after a loss, even though, you know, they weren't looking at the big picture Yeah. in that we, we weren't celebrating a loss. We were celebrating that we advanced. Yeah. And exactly. it just happened to be after a loss. And someone said, look, we won a game. We drew a game. We lost a game. Imagine if it went, we drew, we lost, we won, you know, same. It's the same thing. Yeah. And then we go through like, it, so that's really what it is. It's, you know, Mexico was going to be tricky. Costa Rica, we were going to lose. It just happened to be that they were the first two games. Mm-hmm. So, but I will give I, I will give Bruce Arena credit for this. In all of Jurgen Klinsmann's time in, in charge of the national team, 
They never had the killer instinct that they had Friday night. Mm-hmm. There have been, I'm thinking of three games come to mind right away. Um, Jamaica away in the last World Cup qualifying uh, stage. Guatemala uh, for the last World Cup qual for the last World Cup in qualifying for the last World Cup. Yeah. Jamaica away in that was in the hex. Guatemala away in the semifinal round, and then Ghana in the World Cup. Clint Dempsey scored goals in the first minute in each yeah. of those games, and you were like, "Good, we are going to cruise. We're good." And then it was just no, like the, it was like the U.S. just took their foot off the gas, mm-hmm. and for almost for literally the next eighty-nine minutes, and then eventually would concede on like a set piece later in the game, and we'd get a draw. And yeah. it just happened to be in the World Cup, we we managed to bail ourselves out. It, so the killer instinct just never seemed to be there, and it was there Friday night. And oh boy, was it with there. Yeah, it was there in abundance. I mean, it, I, it, this is definitely, even I'm, I am profoundly concerned about the absence, uh, maybe that's too strong, but I'm certainly concerned about the absence of John Brooks in the squad. And, uh, you know, by no means do I think it's a but I, but I do think that overall this performance gives me an abundance of confidence and, you know, Tim Howard wasn't really truly tested in goal, but I just always feel more that free kick late though. The sticks. They had that free kick late where they oh, went under true. the wall. That's a good point. That was that was a good save. Um, I mean, he's like, our I'm, most I'm not, option. So I'm not profoundly concerned about this. This is, you know, injuries is how you discover who's who's on the team. Yeah, because. If it weren't for injuries, if it weren't for in- an injury to Josie Altator, we wouldn't have started Bobby Wood at the Copa America. Yeah. Um, I always say this when when we play all those dumb friendlies the year after the World Cup and everything, and and Quinsman's throwing out different lineups and then he's making different subs, or he starts with Altador and Bradley and all those guys, and then he brings on different guys. You don't learn anything from those games. You don't learn what a guy can do in a friendly against nobody, even if he plays ninety minutes. Uh, you learn players get their experience when you have no other option and you have to throw on a Via Fania, uh in in the hex. Now, granted, it was a home game, so that's a good way to get his feet wet, but I think he's ready to go against Panama. That's when you learn about players, when you don't have a choice and you need to say, okay, Sebastian Legette, you're up. And that's how players get their chances and make and make their marks. The... What I'm a little bit concerned about is the fact that for some reason, despite the fact that he has 55 career goals, is Clint Dempsey is still being looked at as a player that's like starting because of an injury. Mm-hmm. And that boggles my mind. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before. Bobby Wood's probably the best striker on the team. Clint Dempsey is still, like whether Bobby Wood does a lot of other things better than Dempsey, Dempsey still, when he plays, he scores goals. Yeah. And he scores him in the buns, and he's the only one who does it consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit happy that the U.S. scored six goals and Josie Altidore got none of them. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. But it's, it's funny. It, like, Dempsey, Dempsey's played. His last seven games have all been competitive games, and he has seven goals in those last seven games. Those yeah. are Copa America games and World Cup qualifiers. He has seven goals. The only the only fault in his game really has been that he hit the post against Colombia in the first Copa America game, which would have equalized yeah. for us. And he missed, and ultimately that didn't matter because we still won the group. But I just remember watching um, on Fox that post game show, and Ali Wagner, the analyst for Fox, was just saying, "I would I would put Dempsey on the bench because all he does is score goals and he doesn't do anything else. So if he's not scoring." Then why does he belong on the team? And and I was chirping her on Twitter all through the Copa America every time Dempsey scored. <laughs> and and don't 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 you worry because I, I I was there to chirp her again when Dempsey scored again this week. And I said, Allie, do you still think Dempsey should be on the bench or is scoring goals like or or do you think scoring goals maybe is a good thing? And she responded to me. Her response was. I'll let you know when they qualify. And I just, so I, I just responded, finishing above Honduras, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, whoever the third team is, the other and team. In, uh, yeah, and Panama. I was like, I'm pretty confident we'll be able to finish in front of at least those three. And she was like, so, and she responded, she said, so is Quinn Dempsey a starter for you in Russia? And, and my response was, if he's scoring goals at this rate, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't care what I don't care what number it says next to your age. Like I don't care that it says that Christian Pulisic that there's a one before the eight next to Pulisic. I don't care. That there's a three before the four next well, to Dempsey. And, like, and I think that they're you know you're you're talking about putting like putting a little meat on Pulisic's bones and like as he's going to fill out as he ages, right? But Dempsey, even if he's maybe lost a step at his point, he has that and that assist to that Pulisic made to Dempsey for the third goal was so illustrative of that. That, for me, was the best goal that Dempsey scored. I mean, it was a beautiful free kick to finish off his hat trick, but as he's fighting in the box and using his strength to stay on the ball and then ultimately fires it into the roof of the net, you know, that was beautiful, and it was great vision and great technical ability from Pulisic, and then good strength and, you know, composure under pressure to finish it by Dempsey. And if they're combining like that then, yeah, absolutely, Dempsey has a place in this team. He's not the first name on the team sheet, but he might be the second. Also, like, with with, with soccer, age is, age is a weird thing. Like, the, the you know, the, the media keeps harping on the fact that Tim Howard is old because he's 38, but he's a goalie. You know, goalies play until they're four. Like, Edwin yeah. Vanderstar was at the top of his game when he retired at 43. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Tim Howard will be able to get the job done at 39. Now, would I rely on him when he's 40? No, but let's, you know, he, that's fine. Dempsey's 34, but he's, he's a younger 34 than a lot of other 34 year olds in soccer mm-hmm. because he came through college. Yeah. So there was a lot of years where he played not a lot of games and he played from when's the college from August to December and was off the rest of the year. That's, that's the first three years of his life. So he comes in, uh, he's not playing really professionally until he's 22, all right? Think about that. And so now he's 34. Think about Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney's like 31 years old. He's about 10 years older than Clint Dempsey. Yeah, in, term, in terms of just the mileage that he has. Right, so like he's, like, so yeah, when Christian, like people are looking like, oh, maybe Pulisic will be able to keep going when he's 34. He probably won't be because he started yeah. when he was 17. <laughs> well, you never, you never know though, because I remember... Even though it's not my fondest from a Portland Timbers perspective, but still, one of the most amazing sporting memories I have is of watching David Beckham curl goals into the top corner at the Timbers Stadium in Portland when he was playing for L.A. And he was, you know, 33, 34 at the time. But I think a major difference is that at that point, he had also retired from the national team. Right. And so I I think that that's more and more common Whoa, and, wait, did he? Because he had a weird situation. Like they, the national team dropped him when he went to MLS, and then he tried to come back. He he tried to play. Uh, you know, you remember he kept going on those loans to like AC Milan and PSG so that so that he can get back in the national team picture. He, he tried to make it to the 2010 World Cup, and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So you know, he was he was still trying to vie for the national team picture, and and because England loves living in the past, they just kept picking him. Yeah, but he well. I, I Case remember in point, really they started to, Jermaine Defoe today, and he scored. Yeah. He really wanted to go to um, be the the designated player, as it were, when yeah. Team Great Britain played in the Olympics. But oh yeah, he really not given that, that given that but yeah, honor. But in any case, I mean I, Dempsey is he he still clearly has a place on this team, right? And, and he should be starting. He yeah. should be starting because he is a useful player. He can score goals. He can do other things. Bobby Wood is a useful player who could score goals and do other things. And we saw how good that combination was mm-hmm. in the Copa America. I have news for you. If Josie Altidore plays in the Copa America, we don't win the group. And who knows how far we go. But the, So to me, it's if everybody's healthy, Dempsey and Wood should be the first choice pairing. Yeah. For some reason, everybody's got their mind on Josie Altidore. Yeah, I mean, it's... And and they use things like, oh, I don't know, Dempsey's old. You know, Dempsey's getting up there in age. Like, I don't care how old Dempsey's going to yeah. be in two years. If he can score goals for me today, he should be playing today. Yeah. And well, and the other thing is that while for the first goal, you know, Josie took the ball down well and held up play well, which that's what he does. That's what he does. Been a kind of running joke. Um, but nonetheless, you know, what, like what I was just talking about in terms of. Dempsey and his strength on the ball for that third goal, right? Like he can still do some of those things. And I think that he has the intelligence to do that 
and to you know change his game slightly when he's playing off of Bobby Wood versus when he's playing off of Josie Altador. So right. I mean, I'll be I'm hopefully in the next round of qualifiers, Wood will be fit because boy, the the attacking combination of Bobby Wood, Christian Pulisic, and Clint Dempsey is sumptuous. Uh, don't forget Fabian Johnson. Yeah, yeah, another another player that is lost due to injury. At the All moment. right, so let's go. Let's go look ahead. Panama. How do you see that going? I mean, if they play, I I don't see them. I don't see them running out six nil winners. But then again, I obviously, obviously didn't not. see that on Friday either. But I mean, I I think that especially if Omar Gonzalez starts again, I have concerns at the back. But yes, if that's play, fair. If they play anything like they did with, you know, the hunger, the eye for goal, and the ruthlessness that we saw on Friday night, even if they concede, I still see the U.S. being able to take this 2-1, 3-1. Yeah, this is – all right, so like we were discussing earlier, uh, you know, you you when you get the heck schedule, you just – you kind of say, we're definitely going to win four home games. Mexico, we should win, but maybe not. Uh so it's the name of the game is get points in the other in the away ones and we should and there should be at least one away game that you win. And this is the one that you circle. Now, take nothing away from Panama. It's it's one of two that you should be circling to win. I mean, last year the last time out there when we played them, Panama was playing for their World Cup lives. Mm-hmm. If they win the game, they get the fourth place spot and Mexico is eliminated. This was the Graham Zuzi game. Yeah. Uh, if they win that game, if they if they win the game, they get a they get the, the playoff spot and a chance to go to the World Cup. So Panama had everything to play for. We had already won the group, mm-hmm. so we threw out there a team that was Josie Altador, Graham Zuzi, Mix Discarude, Ali Bedoya, Sasha Question, Kyle Beckerman, Edgar Castillo, Clarence Goodson, Michael Orozco, Brad Evans. Brad Guzan. And we casually ended up sealing one of the most dramatic comfort wins in yeah, US national that's team. That's the team <laughs> that's the team that uh that went there. Brad Davis, Terrence Boyd, and Aaron Johansson were the guys who came on as substitutes. <laughs> and we beat them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it so casually too. Yeah, Zuzi scored that goal and then yo and then Johansson's winner, like nobody on Panama was even trying anymore because they were so deflated. But yeah, we won the game. It was probably the first time that a U.S. competitive international fixture has been cheered far more heartily by Mexican fans than by Americans. (laughs) Right. But the the main point was that is, I guess at the time you could say that that was the B team. Like I look at this team now and I'm like, you can't even give this team more than a C. This is like as, as reserves, as reserves, as reserves come in this game, and they got the win against a Panama team that was playing for everything. So now, I'm not going to say that we have our, our full A team, because we don't, but we have the guys that we want on the field. They'll be there. You know, you have your Dempsey's, you have your Bradley's, Jermaine Jones will be there, uh, you'll have Pulisic. We should get the win here. Yeah, I, I, I we're certainly in agreement in that. I mean, you know, I came into... I, I, I don't think that, as you said, we can really write off any of the away games as guaranteed wins just because that's kind of the nature of the beast in CONCACAF. Right? Oh, right. You, you can't guarantee anything in CONCACAF. But it's, it's still, awful. <laughs> nonetheless, this is, this is a fixture that is absolutely winnable. And even without John Brooks at the back, you know, even without Fabian Johnson and Bobby Wood and the team to begin with... I I absolutely have confidence that this team can go into Panama City and take three points. Yeah, and also important because uh, what's what does the schedule look like? Who do we? When do we? Do we play Mexico in June? We play Mexico in June, right? Yes, and then so this is this is it, like if we're winning this game, if we have like a two 0 win, this is the yellow card game for a couple guys. Like this is a game where true. Jeff Cameron, maybe even Bradley, if you're up two 0 Late in the game, you you got to pick up that second yellow, get suspended for like the home match against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, and then you're you're all set to go against Mexico. Such so strange. <laughs> it's, like, it's a very strange strategic decision to make. Uh, hey, I learned that from Jose Mourinho. So yeah, but yeah, the, the, but again, it's the last thing that you, especially with with these Concacaf refs, because remember John Brooks is on a yellow card. He's on like the. 
he's on a yellow right now for like the softest yellow ever that he picked up against Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, you pick up a soft yellow where the ref, you know, you come home against Trinidad and Tobago and the ref thinks that you're time wasting and you pick up a yellow and now you can't play against Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah, like do what you got to do. <laughs> If you have to. And and I would not I would not mind a Bradley Yellow just so that, you know, he can't play and we have to put a replacement out there for him. Yeah. In a game in a home game against Trinidad and Tobago. So that's a game that like we should win. That's the game where if you're gonna be without Michael Bradley, be without him for that game. You know, and I've gotta say something we've been I gotta say something to Michael Bradley's credit. He was really struggling, I thought, in the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of that game, but that goal that he had for the second was, it was beautiful. And I don't, you know, this is totally conjecture here. I, I admit that at the outset, but you, I almost have to wonder if playing alongside Christian Pulisic doesn't help inspire him to be a little bit more forward thinking in his play because he, he, you know, compared to at his most static, he is infuriatingly neutral. Right. And, and I saw him even in the beginning of this game against Honduras. I mean, there were moments when we're pushing forward well. And what does Bradley do? He turns around and pens it back. To oh, center. every time. And every time. And, and, you know, I think maybe he felt the pressure a little bit less after we got the breakthrough at one nil. But, you know, then he makes that run diagonally across the middle of the field and places a beautiful left-footed shot past the keeper, right? And I will, I, like, I that, will say this, Bradley though. is capable of that. We just, I want to see more of that and less of the, you know, tepid holds the ball and passes backwards, Michael Bradley. All right. Are you sitting down right now? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. This is a okay. hot take. <laughs> it's not a hot take. I'm going to defend Bradley. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's, um, that's yeah. a take of some temperature. Yeah. You know, there are games where he runs wild and controls the game. And the most recent ones that come to my mind are the friendlies that we played right before the Copa America, where Bradley kind of just ran rampant and controlled the game and was distributing. And everybody's like, oh, look at him. He's playing deeper on the field where he likes to play. And all of a sudden, we're seeing how good he could be again. And then what happened against Colombia? Colombia put their second striker and just had him sit on top of Bradley all game. And it just took him out of the game. Bradley was invisible. And the U.S. couldn't do anything. Yeah. And it was about two and a half minutes in to this game on Friday night where I tweeted, Honduras have not one, they have two guys sitting right on top of Bradley. And the key is going to be if the U.S. can adapt to that. And they did. Kudos to Bruce Arena. Again, he made the adjustment, which, which is something Jurgen Quinsen never did because this happened a lot where people would mark Bradley out of the game. And the U.S. couldn't get anything going. Bruce Arena just said, all right, fine, bypass Bradley. Let's play direct. Let's play long balls. And, um, you know, sometimes Pulisic would make a run out to the wing and we'd get him on the wing and that's how we'd get the ball up the field. But otherwise it was, let's play long balls. And sometimes we'll get them and sometimes we won't. But just bypass Bradley. And it worked very well for us. But it is also one of the reasons why when the ball did find Bradley, he never had any space and he was quick to turn around and send it backwards because he had two guys on him the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think that, although I'm, I'm still, I'm still more inclined to, I'm still more inclined to give Dempsey a place on the team before Bradley. I agree that, like, you know, at his best. I, I, of course I am too, but it's, it's, you know, Here's the question, because Bradley Pulisic, that combination worked at, at the very least in a home game. Do you think like a Jermaine Jones Pulisic combination can work? Um, you know, I want I want to say yes, but that's partially <laughs> just because I at this point because you know, we want it to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and but but again, right, like. I, I said this is totally conjecture, but questioning how much more Michael Bradley seemed willing to move forward. But, you know, if he's playing like that, I'm fine with Michael Bradley. I'm fine with Michael Bradley. Like, he is never he's never going to be my first choice. And he's somewhat similar. He reminds me in some sense of, of less raw talent possessing Mesut Ertzel in his ability to both produce moments of magic and also become completely anonymous. At times, that was a really interesting comparison. But, <laughs> but I mean, again, this players, is I watch a lot. This, and 
And I think that they, like, when they get low on confidence, it's true of both of them, that they can just become kind of tepid static and go missing in games. This is why, as I said, you know, this is the game where Browie should pick up a yellow and be suspended for Trinidad and Tobago. Because frankly, we, we can't think of a combination that might work because we literally don't know what we have. We don't know who can replace Bradley. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm very excited for this summer's Gold Cup. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, if, if Bruce Arena has any kind of brain, Michael Bradley will not be playing that Gold Cup. And we'll be able to see what other players can do in competitive matches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, there's uh, a bit of news that we should touch on. This was in the Wales-Ireland World Cup qualifier that ended nil-nil. Aston Villa and former Swansea fullback Neil Taylor, playing for Wales, went in two feet and high on Seamus Coleman. And, you know... He he shattered his leg in one of the worst challenges, but one of the worst challenges I'll ever I've ever seen. But the, yeah, I didn't see it, and I and when I heard about it, I said I'm gonna pass on seeing that. Oh boy, it's it it it's awful. I mean, you know, I googled it. But let's scale it for me. Is it worse or was it worse than the Eduardo da Silva leg break? Very similar. Very okay. Similar, you know, and and you know, it reminded me also of. Um, of when Ryan Shawcross snapped Rams. But, you know, I I Googled it. The first thing I saw was Seamus Coleman's leg, you know, clearly, like clearly not having the structural support and just going in two different ways. Was it like bending in ways that shouldn't be bent, like just hanging and dangling? And yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Kevin Ware, the Louisville basketball player who like just took that jump shot and fell. And all of a sudden, like he like lifted his leg up and it's like, your leg shouldn't be bending that way. yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very, very similar, but the 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 worst thing about it is that while I say that this is one of the worst tackles I've ever seen, the saddest thing is that it's you know it happens all the time. Too common. Yeah. Too common. And and referees are not are not harsh enough, I think, in punishing it. Right? Like because it's it's easy to punish it when you see that the player's leg has been snapped in two. But when players go in dangerously like that and then just barely miss. You know, that should still be a red card. And most of the times, it's not. I mean, I remember, like, there was a, a Lincoln City player in the FA Cup against the against Arsenal who went in high and dangerously against Mesut Ozil. And, you know, he could have broken his leg. And the problem is that after this, all we hear is, like, well, he's not that kind of player. And, you know, we would have, said, we would have heard that about this Lincoln player, too, right? And But it's just, when it happens regardless of the outcome, right? Regardless of if the player who's making the challenge happens to miss and then it's fine, or if, on the other hand, the player he's, you know, challenging ends up snapping his leg and having a year's recovery time, or maybe never recovers, as was the case with Eduardo, right? It it, it has to be It has to be dealt with by referees more harshly, more consistently than it has been. And it's just, it's... It's hard to watch when it happens, and I, I just I want to see, I want to see the FA stand up and like take more consistent. Well, this action. isn't the FA's. Well, yes, I understand. Know, this it's, it's problem with FIFA as a whole, right? Like UEFA, is right? Not. You know, I don't. I I mean, whether it's whether it's European football's governing body in terms of World Cup qualifiers or just England's governing body in terms of professional matches. It just, it's, it's something that, and I think, you know, I wonder if maybe it's excused even more readily in England just because of all of this, you know, the, the narrative about, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a rough league. It's a physical league. Well, yeah. Okay. It's, it's old school British football. But that, but like you can you you don't have to legislate the physicality out of the game entirely to say all right when you go in two feet and studs up that's a red card no matter what every time whether you just barely miss the player or whether you potentially end his career right like it should be it, it should be governed more frequently by the nature of the challenge itself not by the res- like the impact that challenge has because that's the only way that you prevent these things. It's true, and and at first there will be a lot of dubious red cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, for if if they implemented that rule tomorrow, 
We'd see for the next two years a lot of dubious red cards. People would be up in arms, but it would work. And it would work because I, you know, we watched the NFL, and while shots to the head and helmet-to-helmet shots aren't out of the game, there's a lot less of them. Yes, absolutely. And and it's the, th- the sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, there will be some dubious red cards, and there will be some controversy over it. There will be some red cards that are issued that change the complexion of football matches that subsequently the FA or UEFA or whomever is overseeing the officiating of the match will have to turn back and say, you know what, that was a bad call. But you know what they can do in that case is they can rescind the suspension. Yeah. There's no deci- There's no governing body that can make a decision that says Seamus Coleman's leg is fine and puts his career back on track. Because this could right. derail his career, right? He's, you know, he's in his late 20s. It, there's, there's no guarantee that he will ever be playing in the Premier League and internationally consistently at the level that he's been at again. And it, it's, it, it's something that I... There's no guarantee, but there is hope. I mean, I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure he has, a, he has a similar break to Luke Shaw. And Shaw was back a year later. So, you know... It's 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 obviously I'm not saying it'll be easy and I'm not saying it's a sure thing, yeah. but you know, it, for if if you're Seamus Coleman looking for some you know for hope to how to get back, look no further than than right there. And and Shaw might not be back to playing Premier League football, but he got called up for an international. Yep. Well, on that slightly less than cheery note, we're going to sign off here. Enjoy the. U.S. Men's National Team Panama game on Tuesday, and we'll be back later in the week to wrap up the international break and look ahead to the Premier League's return. Maybe As, maybe Seb will join us for that one. Yeah, Seb maybe. usually Seb has a thing for somehow always missing these international break shows where we where we talk mostly about the U.S. But <laughs> no excuse anymore, Seb. This is your team now. Yeah, yeah, it's citizenship now. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, all right. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I am Keats was better. Paulie is P Questel W F A N, and you can give Fenrag Sports a follow as well. Uh, take care, and we will talk to you next week.